Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I'm starting a brand new series today at the beginning of the year that is called Where Hope Lives. That's the name of the series. And today I'm going to start with part one, which is called To Make the Hope of Jesus Known. And the idea behind this series is explaining our vision at City of Life, what we're trying to accomplish as a church. And we're going to break it down over the next few weeks, uh, what our vision is and what each part of that means from a biblical standpoint. So Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, maybe through breaking this down, you'll get a greater understanding of how you can fit in uh, to that vision. And, and I'm just going to tell you something. We need every person in this room to reach our community. Uh, we need all of your talent. We need all of your ability. Uh, we need uh, your generosity uh, to reach the broken people that are in our city because I believe we can reach them. I believe our city, I believe Osceola and Orange County will be saved in Jesus' name. I believe that if we come together, God has given us the resources. He's given us the plan. He's given us the strategy uh, to be able to reach this city. But we need to come together to do it. So maybe in this message uh, on where hope lives, and specifically today to make the hope of Jesus known, you'll get excited and get motivated that, hey, God can use me to help reach my city. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19, or excuse me, verses 13 through 20. It says this. It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. That's actually kind of funny, isn't it? It says, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Have you ever tried to convince somebody of something and they don't believe you? So they make you almost swear. They make you like go to the net. Like you're like, you remember the first time you heard Starbucks was coming to St. Cloud? Remember how great that was? It's like you tell your friend, you're like, guess what I heard? Starbucks is coming to St. Cloud. They're like, no. And you're like, I'm totally serious. They're like, you're lying. You're like, I swear it's coming to St. Cloud. I'm serious. Like you kind of, people make you go to that next level so they'll believe you. That's what this is talking about. It says, God made a promise to Abraham since there was no one greater for him to swear by. He swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. That's, that's hilarious. So he gives Abraham a blessing that's so great. Abraham tends to not want to believe that he's going to bless him in that way. And God is like, I swear to me that I am going to bless you in this way. It's like he swears to himself. It says, so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. It says, people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So he's got the promise and an oath to keep the promise, two things. It says God did that this so that by two unchangeable things, which is the promise and the oath, in which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Now here's the two verses I want you to key in on today. I love this. This is so good. And you know what? I've never taught from this uh, scripture before, so I'm excited about this today. It's really fun. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. I want to talk to you today in our brand new series, Where Hope Lives, 
My message is called to make the hope of Jesus known. Father, thank you so much for our journey. Thank you that today, as you made the promise to Abraham, that everyone that is watching right now, everyone that is in this room, everyone at City of Life South Orlando, everyone's watching online, we are all at some different point in the journey of believing your promise. For some of us, we just found out about the promise. Some of us have waited patiently for a long time, and it's not yet fulfilled. Some of us, the promise is being fulfilled right now, no matter where we are on that journey. I thank you, God, that we have something in common, that you are faithful through the whole journey. And I pray in Jesus' name today, you'd fill our hearts with confidence to believe in you, to trust with you, trust your promise, trust your oath. You cannot lie. You will not lie. You always bring your promise to pass in our life. Let us trust you and have unbelievable hope, a living hope today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. A city of life, our vision statement is really not something that, you know, we just go, hey guys, everyone else has one. What are we going to do? You know, it's, we didn't sit around in a room and say, what do you think it should be? To give me something that sounds professional. It's not something that we just came up with to put on a website. At City of Life, our vision statement is, is deeply birthed out of the reasons that my parents started this church in 1986. Uh, we kind of took some of the things that we do, the values that we have, the principles that make us who we are, and we tried to answer it, and we tried to make sure that we put it in a, 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 a statement that, that could represent the, the truth of what we want to accomplish in our city. So it, it turns out to be this, to make the hope of Jesus known by building a large Christ-centered church, transforming culture through creativity, and empowering ordinary people to live and lead dynamically for the cause of God's kingdom. Okay, now it is, it's, it's, it's nice sounding, it's, 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 it's great sounding, I love it, I think it's inspiring, but uh, if you just sort of take it for what it is, it could just sort of look like something that someone just buries on their website. Uh, so rather than give you that feeling, I wanted to, and, and my team, we felt like last year during our planning meeting, we planned this series, that it would be really helpful for us to go through each part of it to make it kind of come alive so we get it in our heart. So today, to make the hope of Jesus known, I'll tell you, first of all, uh, I live to do that, to make the hope of Jesus known. I want people to find hope when they meet me personally. I'm not talking about with a microphone in my hand. I'm talking about wherever I go, that is my goal. It's kind of a different way of saying Jesus first, Jesus always. It means that I believe that I am an ambassador of God's hope, that wherever I go, if I'm in the community, if I'm, uh, you know, in a, a store, you know, waiting in line. Uh, you ever been waiting in line? Anyone ever have trouble waiting in line? Raise your hand if you, if you have a problem with that. You ever notice that when you're waiting in line, uh, your attitude can get bad real quick. Uh, I was waiting in a line the other day and someone pulled out their debit card and they couldn't remember the pen number. Uh, you ever notice how people start passing, you know, like the guy in front of me goes, he don't know his pen number. <laughs> and then, you know, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, what happened? And I just, I should have gone, hey, I'm a Christian, it's not bothering me. But I go, dude forgot his pen. So I, I become part of the problem, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, it's just like, almost like a row of negativity. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I failed uh, in, in, that, in that particular moment. But my point is, I want to be the person that when I'm in public and I'm just living for God every day, that people see things in me 
that encourage them and, and, and let them know there is a hope that's greater than just what we can see in this world. I, I, I want to tell you that the hope of Jesus to me is not just standing with a microphone and telling people and explaining people in a church building what the gospel is all about. I believe the real hope of Jesus is made known when we bring Jesus into our workplaces. I believe the real hope of Jesus is made known when you're working on a car and you're a mechanic and you're changing someone's oil and, you're, and someone says, hey, well, you know, why, do, why don't you let things bother you? And you go, you know, really? You want to know the answer to that? Well, man, Jesus loved me when I was unlovable and he gave me a second chance and I lived for him and he's redeemed me and I want to be an encouragement to everyone else. And you know what? That might not change that person at that exact moment. But you know that down the road when they're going through a difficulty or a challenge in life, you might be the one they call and say, hey, can you tell me about that Jesus stuff? Because I'm going through something right now. I don't know how to solve. Tell me what prayer is all about. I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me. Can I come to your church? It's planting a seed. See, I grew up in a, a, a denominational world where if, if there was a, a, a successful person in church, the preachers were so dense. And, and I'm sorry, I know that sounds mean, but they really were. They, they were dealing with limited information about the world and the beauty of what the gospel can become. The preachers would just look at anyone who was successful and say, the Lord tells you you should sell your business and you should get a, a Bible and start learning the gospel and you go become a preacher. And it's like, really? What, what is that? Why? Like, how, who is going to share the gospel in that business arena if every successful person goes and quits their business and becomes a preacher? We'll all be preaching to each other. But the way you make the hope, can I get an amen from somebody today? The, the way you make the hope of Jesus known is bringing Jesus into your arena. You bring Jesus to your neighborhood. Hey, you bring Jesus to City of Life, South Orlando. You bring Jesus to the Hunter's Creek area. You bring Jesus to Dr. Phillips. You bring Jesus to Davenport. You bring Jesus to Holopaw. You bring Jesus to St. Cloud, to Kissimmee, every area, every school, every location. We're making the hope of Jesus known. How? By letting people see the way we live our lives with excellence in everything we do. It's encouraging to people when they see us go through difficulties and we go, everything's going to be okay. And they say, why do you say that? Because I have a confidence in my God. What is that confidence rooted in? It has to be rooted in hope. It has to be rooted in something they don't understand. That is making the hope of Jesus known. And, and I want to be the kind of church that believes that we have hope no matter what the diagnosis is. No matter what the forecast is, we have a hope that is absolutely unshakable. So to know what the hope of Jesus really is, I feel like we have to contrast that with the kind of hope that we're familiar with. Uh, not the hope of Jesus, but just everyday hope. And I think that word hope gets thrown around a lot. I think you can use it very whimsically. I think we say things, just even conversationally, we'll say things like, oh man, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or, I hope there isn't a long line at Four Rivers when we go after church. I should, get, I should get promotional money from these restaurants. Last week, I had like 14 people send me a picture of Red Lobster cheese biscuits. I'm going to tell you that right now. But notice no one brought me one. They only showed me. You know, that's sad. That's really sad. So, so you know, you, you say, I hope, you know, you know, I hope the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl next year. You know, that's... That obviously doesn't work very well because I hoped that last year. But that kind of whimsical hope is really not, it's more of a way to express your uncertainty, right? So then I think there's another kind of hope that is a little bit deeper. I'd call that maybe more like desperate hope. And that's the kind of hope that we, we need 
on a psychological level, even non-Christians uh, have a, a certain desperate hope that if they get in a terrible situation, they just cannot continue unless they create some scenario uh, in their heart or their head or their mind where they can see themselves succeeding or getting out of that bad situation. You can't continue if you have no hope. As a matter of fact, Victor Frankl, Dr. Victor Frankl uh, from the Holocaust, who was in Nazi camps as a prisoner, uh, he was a psychologist and he wrote a book called The Meaning of Man. And he observed and, and wrote this book about what he observed from a psychological standpoint uh, in prisoners, that the prisoners who lost hope almost inevitably would die. Uh, now, I'm not talking about be executed, would die of sickness, natural causes. Uh, they would just give up. But the ones who were able to create meaning and say, I, someday I will plant uh, uh, you know, flowers when I get home. Uh, someday I will play music again. The people who were able to create a scenario where they saw themselves succeeding, that kind of hope uh, is what elevated them. So I believe that there is a psychological element of hope that is a little bit more desperate, but, and I, I think we're hope-based creatures in general. I think God made us that way. Uh, we, we have to have hope. And what is, what is hope? Where, where does it reside? It resides in the soulish realm of who we are. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you've been just only dealing with that desperate kind of hope. Another story, you know, in, in his book, The Grand Essentials, Ben Patterson writes about an S-4 class submarine that sunk off the, the coast of Massachusetts in the 1940s. And they didn't have the technology to rescue them, but they took another sub down to those depths and just were trying to see, is there anything that they can do? Is anyone alive? And they were quiet and they listened and they could hear knocking. Uh, and it was Morse code from the bottom of the ocean from this other sub. And when they deciphered the Morse code, it said, is there any hope? And I feel when I'm reading this scripture about Abraham waiting for God's promise to be revealed and his patience, the patience it took to wait for God's promise to be revealed, I feel like that that is sort of what many of us are knocking out in our life. Is, is there any hope? And you're kind of just, and I think the idea of them, them sending that message is, hey, if there's no hope, we'll just give up right now. But if there's hope, I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm, I'm going to keep moving up to that last air bubble. I'm going to breathe every last breath I can breathe. I'm going to wait because I, I, I want this to work. And I think some people are close to giving up today. But I want to tell you something today. You don't have to give up because the hope of Jesus is not like human hope. Human hope only gets excited when it sees the circumstances lining up. But the hope of Jesus are, is not based on circumstances alone. Ordinary hope is a psychological mechanism that allows us to positively respond to uncertainty. But the hope of Jesus does not depend on circumstances or good fortune. It is anchored in who Jesus is. And it is anchored in what Jesus has already done for us. Look at someone next to you and say, he's already done everything for you. See, the kind of hope that I'm talking about is a hope that's finished already. Nothing has to work out to your benefit in order for you to have this kind of hope. And if you're saying, well, what, what has he done for me already? What, what should I be so happy about? Well, how about Ephesians chapter 2? 
that says it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Jesus Christ to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. <laughs> Woo, that's what he's done for us. He's done it all. We've got something to be hopeful about today. Whether the circumstances are lining up or not, we have got something to be excited about today. We're not bound to ordinary hope, simply waiting around for a favorable outcome. Jesus has already done it all. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Someone say a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Say it with me. Jesus Christ is our living hope. One more time. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Someone say amen today. Amen. Come on. He's our living hope. He, hope is alive today. And I'm going to tell you something. When you have Jesus Christ as your living hope, he gives you three things. He gives you hope from your past, before I get to the other ones, let's talk about this one first. From your past. There are people in this room. You have no hope when it comes to your past. You feel shame. You feel guilt. You feel regret. You feel sadness. You look back at your mistakes on a regular basis and you let it bring you down. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How dare you feel condemned about something that Jesus already took the blame for himself, went to the cross for, suffered the shame and punishment and the guilt. He took the guilt upon himself and died and buried it so you didn't have to deal with it anymore. How dare we pick the guilt back up again when Jesus has already won the victory for us? When you have a living hope, he gives you hope from your past. The past is dead and gone. It is buried and you have been resurrected into new life. He gives you hope from your past. You say, well, you don't know my past. I don't care if I know your past or not. Jesus knew it before he died for you. And it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It means he loved us enough on our worst day to give his very best for us. So he gives us hope from our past. You say, but yeah, he can't write, re rewrite history. He doesn't need to. He's already redeemed history. 
He has redeemed it. He don't have to go back and he ain't going to take an eraser out and say, no, you didn't lie. No, you did lie. He ain't going to take an eraser out and say, no, you didn't cheat. No, you did cheat. He ain't going to take an eraser out and say, oh, you didn't break the law. No, you did break the law. But the point is, is that he loved you through it all and he gave you grace from it all and he has given you hope from your past. So somebody raise your hand in the air and say, I have hope from my past. Come on, say it again. Say, I have hope from my past. Look at someone next to you and say, you look good on a Sunday. And say, you have hope from your past. Now let's say amen and give God a praise today. So he gives us hope from our past. He gives us hope in our present. Can I get an amen from two people today? Lamentations 3 says, there are new, he says, it says, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. That means that every single day we wake up, it doesn't matter if you wake up in a mansion or if you wake up in a slum, if you wake up in jail or you wake up in a penthouse, it really, it really doesn't matter. This scripture applies to whoever you are, whatever your bank account looks like. There is hope in your present because every day his mercies are new. Every day his mercies are available. Every day you can be transformed into the image and conformed into the image of Christ to look like Jesus. So we have hope in our present and we miss our present blessing so many times by looking forward to our future dreams. I'm going to say it one more time. I said many times we miss our present blessing because we're too busy looking forward to our future dreams. Have you not forgotten that right now you might be living in the house that you prayed about and dreamed about 20 years ago when you didn't even have a house, but rather than celebrate what God has already given you, you will rob yourself of your blessing in the present if you forget to thank him for what he has already done in your past and you're simply worried about your future. We have to recognize. Look at someone next to you and say, recognize. Take the G out of it and just say recognize. recognize. You gotta recognize. You gotta recognize. Somebody say, God has favored me. Come on, he has favored you. There are things that he has done in your life that has gotten you to this point. We need to be grateful. We need to learn how to celebrate the now. How to celebrate the power of right now. There is something special about right now, about having a grateful heart right now, right now. You know, and you go, oh, but you don't know my dreams. I know that your dreams can keep you from being grateful about right now if you're too focused on them. I know that your dreams can keep you from recognizing how thankful you should be for your family. Right now, you will overlook the greatest gift you, that God has ever given you in your family. If you're too concerned about the dreams that are down the road, you will forget to value and appreciate what is around you right now. You know what you need to do? You need to turn around today when you leave this building and you need to hug and kiss your family and say, I love you right now. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I love you and I thank you and I appreciate you and I value you you mean come on y'all don't even get it today 
You should walk into work with a handful of flowers and just start giving them out to everybody. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You, Bill, but you're a dude. I don't care, Bill. I appreciate you. Here, you get a flower. You get a flower, all of you. I appreciate you. need to have a heart of gratitude for people around you. Let's quit waiting for everybody to be perfect. They won't and neither will you. You don't wait till someone meets your standards until you validate them. You appreciate and you love people as they are right now. Why? Christ loved you as you were when he died for you. We better realize that last night at Lake, at Lake Nona, at our city of life, Nona campus, I'm standing there night one on the front row. I can't even hardly focus. The music is going. It's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. I'm looking in the, out of the corner of my eye. The volunteers are pulling chairs out of the back room. No one can get in the room. It's insane. I didn't, I, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm like, are we going to, do we go to two serve? I mean, do, do we get another building? I, I'm just being honest on what I'm thinking right there. And you know what the Lord said to me at that moment? Shut up. <laughs> you say, well, how dare you? I'm just telling you what I felt. It probably went through the, the you know, human filter of Jeffrey Smith's brain. But what I got from the Lord is just shut up. And then when I kind of listened for a second, I'm like, okay. He goes, look what I'm doing. Look what's happening right now. Do you realize that we will miss the power of right now? You'll miss the power of now if you're too focused on your past. Right? You know, you know all those people say, oh, well, they don't have church like they used to. Good. I don't want to have church like we used to. Why? Because God's doing a new thing. I want to take the best of what God has all, ooh, get me emotional here. I want to take the best of what God has always done, and I want to always make room for him to do something brand new and stretch me and take me to the next level. If I'm too worried about the way he did it before, I won't be able to appreciate what he's doing right what? Right now. Look at someone and say now. See, God will give you hope from your past. He will give you hope in your present. Hey, and I speak hope over you right now in Jesus' name. I speak the living hope over your situation that you are going through right now in Jesus' name. Hope over cancer. Hope over divorce. Hope over broken situations. Hope over legal troubles. Hope over financial destitution. Hope over all of it. Why? When our hope is an anchor that is anchored to Jesus, we have something that is so solid that it cannot be ripped away. Hope from our past, hope in our present, and I love this, hope for our future. Okay, and it's something that's solid. It's a hope that's based in a mentality like Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that will rise up against you thou shalt condemn, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. It's like Romans uh, chapter 8 that says, uh, oh, I know what it says, but I just can't remember. There it is. Uh, and we know, uh, I know it. <laughs> and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I love that. 
that's the, that's the mentality about my future. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Throw your mud, do whatever you want to do. Ain't none of it going to stick in Jesus' name because God has already told me he's got my back. He is my hedge. He is my, surely, oh, Lord, you will bless the righteous. You will surround them with your favor as with a shield. Throw your junk. It's going to hit the shield. It ain't going to hit me. God is protecting me. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. Also, in Jesus' name, it says, for, for whoever loves the Lord, it means all things work together for the good of those that love him. That means that God is going to use the neutral things that come my way to bless me in my future. Why? My hope is anchored to Jesus. So a neutral thing that someone else might go, oh, well, that's neutral. That ain't, that ain't really good or bad. No, he's going to use it for my good. Why? Because I love him. I'm called according to his purpose. It means that God is going to use the good things to bless me because if you're not living a righteous life, isn't it true that sometimes good things can actually not work for your favor? Some people receive good things, blessings, promotions that actually end up destroying them. Why? They don't love God. They're not called according to his purpose. But if you're called according to his purpose, God will use the good things for your blessing and for your favor. But you know what I love about this too that gives me hope for my future? It means God will use the neutral things. He'll use the good things. He'll also use the bad things. That means that any bad thing that comes my way, anything I go through, I have hope in Jesus that he will use the neutral things, the good things, and the bad things. And all things work together for the good. It's going to work together for my good. The bad is going to work for my good. That that's what gives me hope for my future. So I got hope from my past, hope in my present, and hope for my future. And I love it. It says that this hope is an anchor. This hope is an anchor for the soul. Hebrews 6.19, firm and secure. An anchor for our soul. Here's where I want to Look at that text, and I want to give you one image before we kind of close today. Here's the image. It says that hope is an anchor for our soul. So I want you to imagine that life is like this big ocean, and you got this vessel that's floating on top of this ocean, and it's your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is that part of us that, that is similar to God in that we feel things, and we think things. We question things. We get broken. It's not really our heart that breaks. It's our soul. We have, like, like I said, all these questions. It's like your dog is not at home right now asking itself, why doesn't anyone understand me? Okay, and dogs are, you know, infinitely smarter than cats. So you can imagine what cats are thinking. Cats are, you know, cats are thinking stuff like food, kitty litter, I hope my owner dies so I can eat him later. I mean, that's, what, you know, that's a scientific fact. That's, well, not really, but I, that's what I feel. But our soul is the part of us that, that has these feelings and these, these dreams. And what an analogy that the Bible says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. So our soul is like this vessel floating on this ocean and our soul needs this anchor. Why does this soul need an anchor? And it says it's firm and secure. And, and the anchor enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. This is where the analogy gets kind of strange, but really cool. Because here we are floating on life, our soul. And what does our soul want to do? It goes, oh, look at that. There's a relationship. 
Let me go over there. With no anchor, your soul needs to be satisfied. Oh, there's a relationship. Oh, he complimented my perfume. That must be Mr. Perfect. No. Uh, oh, you know, here's a job opportunity. I can make twice what I'm making. Ooh, you know, let's, let's, let's go over this way. Let me put the sail over this way and let's sail over here. And, and we, no. No, our soul will do anything to be satisfied. But what it says is this, this analogy is so incredible. It says this hope is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, this is the part that's wild, and unless you know a little bit about the Jewish temple, you don't even know what this means. So let me explain it to you. In, in, in the Jewish temple, there was this inner place called the Holy of Holies. And the high priest, this is before Jesus, came to this planet and died for us and became our ultimate atoning sacrifice. Before that, priests had to make animal sacrifices for sins. So once a year, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and do this really special ritual. And I'm talking about the presence of God was in this room. Holy of holies means the manifest presence of God. If you were in there and you were unholy in, that pre in, that, in the presence of that, you would die instantly. The, the priests wore bells on their robes. So if they were unholy when they went in there and they died, they, the, the other people could hear the bells not moving. And they also wore a rope around their waist so that if they happened to go in there and died because they were not holy enough to be in the presence of God, they could drag them out. Can you imagine who figured this system out? It's like, you know, you got Bill the high priest one year. It's like, see you guys, I'm gonna go in there. And you had to back in the room, you go in there and then you know they're out there waiting and they're like, you know, Bill's been in there for like six hours. I mean, imagine like the next year, they're like, okay, Tom, it's your turn. Why don't you put bells on so if we don't hear you moving? And then, sorry, dude, we're gonna have to tie a, you know, a rope around your waist because I don't wanna go in there, you know, because I'm not holy enough. They literally had to drag the body. That's how holy this place was. And in this beautiful, poetic, gorgeous analogy about the hope we have in Christ, we're afloat. Maybe that's you today. Your soul is afloat and you've seen this destination and that destination and you've been moving that boat all over the place trying to go and nothing has satisfied you. You need the hope of Jesus. It says this hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And you have to imagine the anchor goes down into the inner sanctuary, into the Holy of Holies. And it says Jesus has entered there on our behalf. So the hope that you have is anchored to the holiest place in the universe, to the very presence of God. No matter where you are, your soul has access to the very presence of God in every situation you're in. That's what gives us hope. And that's why we live. We live to make the hope of Jesus known personally. Hope from the past, hope in the present, hope for future. Stop living with normal, whimsical hope. Stop living with simply desperate hope that's derived out of the human psyche that we do need as human beings to continue sometimes. But even greater than that is the spiritual kind of hope that comes from Jesus. See, ordinary hope is a psychological mechanism that allows us to positively respond to uncertainty. But a living hope is a spiritual mechanism that allows us to express certainty 
about the outcome of our lives. See, a living hope is all about certainty. It's about knowing. And so today, if you're here, I love that definition of hope, that hope is a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. A confident expectation. I don't know how you feel. I don't know what's the best smell in the world to you. And everyone's got a different smell. But I think one of the best smells is when I was a kid, if I was ever asleep in the morning and I woke up to the smell of mom cooking bacon. There's a lot of good smells. I mean, I, I think cookies, that's a pretty good smell too if someone's baking cookies. But that bacon, you know what I like about that bacon? Is when I'm, when I'm sleeping and I go, I, I roll over, what's this one? And then it's like, it's like, you know something's good, but you kind of want to go back to sleep. And you go, what's that smell? And then you go, is that bacon? And then what happens? You have this confident expectation, as long as your little sister doesn't eat it all, amen? You know, you can get in a fight about that. But the confident expectation, something rises up in you, you get your clothes on, you go in there, you walk pretty quick, and there it is, and you grab it. See, it's, it, that's what hope really is. Hope, and God never lets us down. It's that feeling that we have, that confident expectation that because of our living hope, something good is going to happen. We have hope from our past, hope in our present, and hope for our future. And that's what it means to make the hope of Jesus known. Other people need to see that hope in you. Other need to, people need to see that hope in our church. That's why at the beginning of our vision statement, to make the hope of Jesus known by building a large Christ-centered church. And we'll get into the other elements of that as we go. But this is the foundation. And that's why City of Life is, that's our, our phrase, where hope lives. That's kind of our saying, City of Life, where hope lives. See, I believe a City of Life is wherever hope lives. That's the city. Your city may be somewhere else. It may be in a different city. But I believe the real city is wherever you choose to let hope lives. That's a city of life. It's going to flourish. Life is going to flourish in that city. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.